Um, our guest speaker today is somebody that is very special and close to my heart. I think you could go as far as to say I wouldn't be here without her. Um, it's my mom. <laughs> and so <laughs> I would like to invite my mom up. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I guess you have a name <laughs> to the rest of the world. Would you like to share your name? Um, hi, I'm Charmaine Koffler. Yes, so this is my mom, Charmaine Koffler, and uh, we just decided we're going to do a little Q&A, so you will get a chance to know her a little bit better. Uh, when Dave had asked you to speak, I was like, ooh, can I host that Sunday? <laughs> Dave's like, do you want to? But yeah, it was really mm -hmm. exciting. Pastor Dave and Zach are both away on vacation this week, so you are here so they can rest. That's um, right. And yeah, so tell us a little bit about yourself. You haven't talked a lot because I keep talking, um, <laughs> but you do have an accent. Where are you from? Well, I was born in Johannesburg, South Africa, so I come from a long way, but this year we celebrate 25 years in Canada, and so that's where I come from. Yeah. And you too. Yeah. You were born years, there. 20, 25 years here. Um, we arrived in a July, so we were like very unprepared on a climate level, right. um, but you did want to go home a couple times. Oh, many times, yeah. many times. It was just, unfortunately, we used all our money to get here, so I had so, no money to get back. Yeah. So there was a plan God had there. And so. it was always correlated to scraping a car off. Like, why am I here? Yeah. Um, January, I'm not a happy person. Yeah, yeah, it's a hard time of year. And you have worked in ministry for how long? Um, about 17 years now. So yeah, I started in 2006. I felt the Lord calling me into ministry. I didn't know what that looked like. I definitely didn't think it would be as a pastor. Yeah. Um, and, but here I am. And so you've done, you've done some like residential group home stuff um, in a ministry capacity and uh, like church ministry. Um, you have just finished a role as a daycare director. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so ministry has looked diverse, right? Yes. What's been your favorite? Uh, none of it. None of it. <laughs> no, I, I think I really enjoy, I, I love the idea of marketplace ministry. Mm -hmm. I love the idea of being at work and being able to do ministry. And so even though our daycare was associated with a church, we had a, a very um, diverse population that entered into the daycare and lots of different religions for that matter because it was in Brampton. And so for me, that was really amazing, learning how to reach other people at their levels. Um, it gave me an idea of what Paul said, that I, I meet people wherever they are at. And so they, that's been the most exciting, I think. Yeah. And then that's, that in turn sparked interest for your now pursuing your master's. And Correct, yeah. So in leadership and change with uh, the side part of practical pastoral ministry. So, and that's what you hope yeah, to equip It sounds people. very complicated, but it's... Yeah. <laughs> I'll let you know as it goes. <laughs> so aside from professional, we have your first slide, if the, the team. This is your fam. Mm -hmm. Who's your favorite? <laughs> Dan. What? You don't even go here. Okay. Um, so on this side, we'll start here. This is? That's Kit. He's my grandson. He was born in, on May 10th. Uh, of Last like year, 2022, yeah. 22, and, and then, then starting here beside it's my it. son Matthew and his wife Kate. I suppose the picture's up there. I can look, yeah. um, <laughs> and that's me in the middle with Kaylee, my favorite daughter, <laughs> and Toby is in my arms. Is the dog, and then that's Waffles and Dan. Yeah. So 
the waffles construction growing up over there. Yeah, right? exactly. So, so uh, waffles, and then, waffles and then Toby is actually named yeah. after chocolate as well, Toblerone. Yeah. So, yeah, we call him Toby. I, sh- I so. shouldn't, <laughs> yeah, I shouldn't say that online because <laughs> yeah. you guys are going to, my son's going to watch this and go, I knew it. Yeah. There we go. And then it's little Lennon. That's Lennon. That's my daughter. Mm-hmm. So my mom became a grandmother in the same year within 10 weeks of each other. So Yeah, so they got married 10 months apart and made me a grandmother 10 weeks apart. Yeah. So I don't know what's going on yet. (laughs) That's it. Okay. Anyway, Um, I'm going to let you take over. I'm going to pray for you. We're excited to have you. I hope you guys are excited. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to be in your house and your presence this morning. Thank you for uh, rest for our pastoral uh, staff, uh, Zach and Dave, and thank you for Charmaine that she is here to speak your word to our hearts. Um, Mm -hmm. May we just be open and receptive to what you have for us today. Uh, May all that we say and do glorify and honor you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. This is a little bit intimidating, but here we go. I'm going to talk to you about the struggle of surrender. And I know that's a big thing for some people. The word surrender is, is not a word that they like to hear. So you may or may not be familiar with the practice of word association. Um, so, for instance, when I say a word, what does that make you think of? Uh, what do you associate with that word? So sometimes we can use these words as games for children to help them, help them to understand what goes with what, like food groups, etc., um, or, or it can be used by psychologists to evaluate their staff in, in workplaces, or it could be used as a creativity tool in team meetings sometimes. So, for example, if I say knife, the most res- common response is fork. But if you are troubled, you may say death. If you are in the middle of a dispute with somebody, you may say in my back. So... If you are being creative, you may say it spreads love. So, you know, butter, spread, jam, the love things you love. Anyway, so that's what the word association is. So here goes. I'm going to say power struggle. So what does that make you think of? For me, the word power struggle means a fight or it's unfair. So that could tell you where I am. Physically, so psychologically, right? But a power struggle usually happens when, when there's an imbalance of power or there's a strong influence in an area. So, but today we're going to hear, like I said, we're going to hear words like submit and surrender. And these kind of words may bring something up in you. But I know you, what you're thinking. Don't roll your eyes yet. I'm not here to talk about men submitting to women and vice versa. We're not looking at Ephesians chapter 4. That's not where I'm going. I'm not talking about husbands submitting to wives, etc. So, but this is what I am thinking, right? It may come to that at the end of all of this, once you've heard what I have to say. But So when, when Dave said, this is your... Um, this is, this is our theme. Here's what I'm thinking. So you know, this is what I'm thinking. So you don't have to take it on. And so to submit is to surrender. But I know that may not agree. Everybody may not come to terms with that one. But I want to explain to you where I came with this. So there's a story in the Old Testament about Jacob and Esau. And And if I encourage you to go and read the story, I didn't want 
the team to put it up on the screen, the whole, because it's quite a few chapters. It's seven chapters, and I don't think you would be very happy if I read seven chapters of Scripture to you this morning. You may have to fill out that survey several times while I'm talking then. But Genesis 25 through to 32 gives you the whole story of Jacob and Esau. So I'm going to give you the cold notes of it because it's important to what I'm going to speak to you about. So Isaac and Rebekah. Isaac is Abraham's son, the father Abraham, his son Isaac, and his wife is Rebekah. And she is pregnant and there are the babies, she's having a really hard time. The babies are struggling in her womb. And Genesis 25, 23 says to her, and the Lord said to her, she inquires of God, what's going on here? What is the problem here? And the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb and two people from within you shall be divided and the one shall be stronger and the older one shall serve the younger. Um, the younger one shall serve the older, sorry. So Esau was born first, and Jacob came out holding on to his heel. Hence the reason why he was given the name uh, Jacob, which means heel holder or deceiver, right? So Esau was more of an outdoorsy man. He was the hunter and the one who was always outside, and Jacob was more of the, the one that stayed in his tent close to his mom. So I guess he would have been the nerd, and Esau would have been the contractor or whatever you... <laughs> The one who goes outdoors and works hard, if we want to put it in today's world. Um, but <clears throat> Jacob's mom remembered that God said the younger will serve the older. First of all, Jacob, being a deceiver, as by his name, he lived up to his name quite a bit, <laughs> as we see in the story. Um, he first steals the birthright from his brother. He, he prays on him when he's coming in hungry. You know what? The enemy gets us when we're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, right? So he comes in hungry, and he says to him, oh, give me some of your stew. And Jacob, being the nerdy guy, has done his homework to say, like, actually, I don't see God working in my life here. He's not really making me serve, uh, the, the, the older one serve me, so I'm going to have to take, make some steps here. So he says to him, nope, I'm not going to give you any of my stew until you give me your birthright. Now, the birthright was very important in those days because... The birthright of the oldest son meant he got a double portion of the inheritance. It doesn't work that way, Kelly. So you get a double portion of the inheritance as the oldest kid. So um, he's, Esau is so hungry, he goes, well, what does it help if I'm going to die? He's so hungry, he's so dramatic. He says, I'm going to die anyway, then I'm not going to have a birthright. Right? So he gives it to Jacob and, and he goes on with his life. So Jacob then he is, in, is directed by his mom to go and take not only that he's got the birthright now, Esau is, Isaac is old, Esau is going to, to get the blessing from his dad because that's what the oldest child gets. He gets a blessing from their father before they die. And so Esau um, is instructed by his dad to go out and kill, um, make some game, bring him a meal, and so he can bless him before he dies. Jacob's mother convinces him that he needs to, to dress up as Esau and, and get the blessing from his dad. So he does this. So you see there's all these power struggles that are going on in this family all the time. And Jacob, Jacob is deceiving and he's manipulating his way in. So we, the, the story of Jacob, uh, he, he now has to flee because 
Esau is mad at him for stealing the blessing, and his mom has to send him to his uncle. He goes to live with Laban. He falls in love with his daughter. He wants to marry her. He works for seven years. The uncle deceives him by giving him the wrong daughter. He works another seven years for the daughter that he wanted. In the, the in-between stories, we see that Rebecca and uh, Rachel and Leah, her sister, are, are fighting because one has kids and the other one is barren. And Jacob is fighting with Laban. So we see all these power struggles in the story. This is why this story intrigued me so much as to how it fit in to this idea of that we need to learn to surrender to God in different ways. But, and it's no different to our lives today. When we read these stories, when we see these stories, we can see how this plays out in today's world. In, in, in our everyday life, what happens, how there's constantly this happening. We have an idea, this is what needs to happen. We don't see it happening, so we try and make it happen. Right? So this is what Jacob has been doing all of his life. He's, he's been trying to make things happen because he remembers the promise, and I don't think his mom let him forget it, that God said the, younger will, the, the older one will serve the younger. And so they don't see God working in their lives, and they're trying to make it happen. He ends up working for 20 years for his uncle, between for the daughters and, and also then for some livestock. But here God comes and he says to him, Jacob, I need you to go back to your father's land, but I will be with you. That's what he said. But Jacob, he goes, but you can tell by the way that he responds, he doesn't quite trust God. And so he's, he's going along and then he, has, he derives this plan. Well, Esau... The last time he spoke to me, he told me he's going to kill me. So I don't want to take any chances. And he sets himself up that he's given him cattle and goats and sheep and, and goodies. And, but he sets them in a caravan and he gives them space between each caravan. And each caravan is saying, Jacob's coming from behind. Jacob's coming from behind. So his hope is that by the time all this stuff gets to him, he will be appeased by it and not follow through on his promise to kill Jacob. And then Jacob takes another uh, step and he goes to, uh, the, he sends his family across the river and he comes because he said at least if he gets killed, his family is still safe, right? And this is where we, this, the account of the story comes that Jacob is alone and now he has another struggle, but this time his struggle is with God. He, he has a dream and um, it says in the scripture that he wrestled all night. Um, he, he wrestled all night with God. And the story said that Jacob wouldn't give up. And in fact, it says that he prevailed. So I'm going to pause the story there for the moment and tell you another story. <laughs> but this time we're going to go forward into the story of Stephen and the stoning of Stephen. And, and you, you're probably wondering, what the heck is the correlation? How did I come to this place? But the story of Stephen is really where I came, where God had challenged me with these two words, submit and surrender. And that's why um, I, I say to you, to submit is to surrender, right? So the story of the stoning of Stephen uh, gives us that insight into what it is about surrendering to God. So um, it's a tension of what is wrong and what is right, and there's an imbalance of power here. So 
the Christian way of life at this stage, when we're in the New Testament, in the, in the book of Acts, has had a great influence on people. And the Christian, it's growing. The Christian faith is growing. The, the followers of Jesus Christ are growing. And the Jewish people are concerned. They're worried about it. Because Acts 6 verse 7 says, and it's not on a slide, so I'm just going to read it for you. It says, And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. So Stephen is now, this is where we pick this up, is he's brought in front of the people for questioning. And he has performed himself many signs and many wonders. And we see Stephen recounting the historic of the history of Israel and what had happened. And he's telling the people, this is what God did. This is what you did. This is what God did. This is what you did. So unfortunately, this is a reminder to, the, to, to those who have resisted what God in so many ways. So I want to pick it up at verse 54. Acts chapter 7, verse 54 to 60 is what we're going to read. Now, when they heard these things, these are the people that didn't want to hear from Stephen, they were enraged and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witness laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And then he said that, when he said this, he fell asleep. So as I was looking at this scripture, God gave me those two words, submit and surrender. And I started to wrestle with them because I was like, you know what, God, those are hard words for Christians because we're always hearing about submitting and surrendering. And I feel like sometimes we just pull them out of, of the contents. And, and so as I sat and listened to God, I, I was like, you got to give me something more. And I got this this sense, and when I was looking and doing some research, that, that there was a definition of submitting is a, a power struggle, right? When you think of submission, it, it's a struggle of power. And then surrendering is, is to do with yielding. And so as I sat in this, as I meditated over this, this scripture, um, with these two words, because as I'm looking at the scripture, I'm like, it's not even, it's not even mentioned in the scripture, why am I camping on these two words? But it becomes so evident when you start to read, read through it again. And um, I, I got the sense from God that, you know what, when we submit, we actually, when we choose to submit, we surrender. And that sounds crazy. But when we choose to walk out of that power struggle, when we lose the power struggle, we walk into the surrendering and yielding to God. And I know sometimes that's hard for us to get our heads around it because we think, and I, must, I say we as in the royal we, it's me, I think surrender sometimes is kind of, there's a connotation that it's meant for weak people, right? Surrender means that we've lost something. 
Surrender means we lose the game, we lose whatever it is, and, and, and that it's, it's for weakness, right? But we, are, we forget, we often, I often forget that God is asking me to surrender, that he's asking me to do something that is important to him. And as, as I thought about this more, I was, I was like, you know what, God, it's, it's, it's quite amazing that um, you give me these words, but I always say to him, so where have I come across this in my own life? Where have I uh, seen this in my own life? And, and God brought to mind a story that happened. I was working at um, a not-for-profit organization, and I started working there. I wasn't anybody special. I was just their, their ministry coordinator. Um, I would take the young ladies to churches to do their testimonies, etc., but I started to notice inconsistencies in, in the, the office side. I, I, bear in mind, I come from 20 years of banking experience. So I started to notice inconsistencies. And I thought, well, it's not my business. I'm the newbie. Yeah, it's, and I kept ignoring it. But it was almost funny. Like, I would go to the office to hand in a paper, and I would look down, and I'd be like, wow, that doesn't look right. And then I'd be like, Shemaine, none of your business. Step away. Don't get involved. But... I was there for about a year, and all of a sudden, I found myself in a different position. They offered me a different position, which brought me into, in line with looking at some of these inconsistencies. And I thought, okay, God, what are you doing in, in me here? What, what is the purpose of me to, do, to be here? And because I was starting to go, I don't want, I don't want to be in a struggle. I don't want to be fighting with people. There's, there's nothing in me that likes to do that. But... Eventually, I find myself where I have to say something. Eventually, you get to a stage where this is no longer okay. And I remember taking uh, the person aside and, and saying to them, you know what? You lied. This was what you said, and this was what really happened, and I don't feel comfortable with that. I don't think that you, you did what was right. And I said, I actually don't think I could work for someone like you. And he looked at me and he went, wow. So I, I went home that night and I still said to my husband, you know what, I think, I think I'm going to have to hand in my resignation because I think I just blew it. I just told the boss I can't work for him because he lied. Um, so before I get fired, I'm going to bail out. And so there was a weekend in between. I get to work on Monday uh, to be told that, oh, yeah, there's a resignation. <laughs> I was like, oh, I did that? No, I hope not. <laughs> um, anyway, I guess I could stay now. But anyway, the story goes that in the process of them, them looking for a new director, it, it sounds like a, to me, I, I, I always say, it sounds like such a silly thing, but it wasn't a silly thing when God showed me why I was doing it, right? So we're looking for a new director. They put me on the team that's starting to look for this person, and we advertise it on, I'm sure you've heard of Charity Village, they advertise all Christian positions on there a lot of times. We advertise it on there, there's a beginning date and an end date, and um, so we start the process and we're looking at some resumes, but the person in question had someone in mind for the ministry. Now, it was a good fit, but it wasn't the best fit. And so, as a team, we decided, no, 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 we'll wait for more resumes to come in. 
But, you know, when somebody has an agenda, they have an agenda, and they try and push that agenda. And it, it ended up being like, I woke up in the middle of the night, the one night, and I felt like God saying to me, you need to go back to the posting online. And I was like, why? What, is, what has that got to do with anything? And as I switched on the computer, the, the end date for resume receiving was like large in my face. It was, we are receiving resumes till such and such a time. And I'm like, oh, okay, so we are. So what? I go to sleep. I didn't, I didn't know what God wanted me to do. So the next time we have a meeting, um, I, I, hear, I hear in my spirit, date. Remember the date. Remember the date. And I was like, what the heck? <clears throat> so anyway, they start to talk about changing the date of closing the resumes because this guy has now decided he wants to put this person in place. And it was almost like I couldn't not say anything about it. It just came out of my mouth. And I'm like, nope, we can't do that because we've promised we are going to receive resumes until this date. And they were like, we can, we can choose which date it is. We can change it. And I said, no, we can't because we are a Christian organization and people have seen that and you don't know. Somebody could be preparing their resume to submit it by that date. Because sometimes people see it and go, oh, I've gotten until such and such a date. I will work on my resume and I will send it. Right? So I said, if we are talking about being a Christian facility, we need to honor that. It's, it's the right thing to do. Anyway, long story short, there was a power struggle about this date. And I just kept, eventually I, I went, I said to my husband, I can't do this anymore. Like, this is so dumb. I don't understand what a date is. Why am I sitting on, I'm, I'm making such a stand about a, a date. And even one of the board members had called me aside. She had coffee with me and meeting with me. And she goes, I think you have a personality problem. <laughs> and I'm like... You think? <clears throat> I'm like, no, I have an integrity problem. <laughs> I don't think that's a bad thing, <laughs> right? But anyway, <clears throat> I then I went home and I said to my husband, I think I have a personality problem. <laughs> she said so. So I was like, okay, I guess I have a personality problem. And then I, I said, I'm just going to... I'm just going to surrender. I'm going to just give it up. It's, it's a date. Who cares? Who cares is in the place? I'm not the boss. I don't have to run the place. And I woke up in the middle of that night, and God was like, the date. And I was like, no, God. And so I really did. I went to, I went to prayer, and I wrestled, and I'm like, okay, God, you've got to show me. You've got to show me what this is about, right? And it was... It, was, it wasn't, like I said, wasn't, there wasn't an audible voice, but in my spirit, God said to me, it's not about the date, Charmaine. It's about what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to submit to what I'm asking you to do, even if it sounds stupid, even if it sounds inconsequential, even if it sounds like you've got a personality problem, right? I'm asking you to stand firm on the date. I was like, wow. So now I'm going to look like the bad guy for a date. Anyway, and the, the, we're going to a board meeting now to make a decision about the date. Like, this is how dumb it is, right? And so I'm like the only person that doesn't want to change the date. There's six board members, seven board members, and we're going into this meeting now because I don't know who's got to prove a point here, them or me. But... So we're going, I didn't call the board meeting, just so that you know. So we sit, we go into the board meeting, but I have my resignation <laughs> in, in the paper because I really sensed, I, said, I told my husband, I said to him, 
I am not going to work for an organization that doesn't hold true to integrity. I cannot do it. I, I feel that God is calling me to stand firm in this. And so I prepared my resignation because if they changed the date, I was going to hand in my resignation. So we get into the board meeting and the chair of the board's like, social man, have you changed your mind? And I was like, nope, I have not. I stand firm on the date. And I'm like, okay, God, this is so dumb. And you know, the funny part was I hung my head because I, 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 knew, I, I sat there and I hung my head and I was like, I feel so stupid right now. But you know what God did? One by one, the board members changed their vote. The first board member said, you know what? I know I've been wondering what it is about this date, but I think Charmaine's right. And I went, what? <laughs> Eventually, all but two changed their vote. And to me, that was God saying, I needed. He was able to be widespread. He was able to be in a particular area at a particular time. He was able to be current. And he could take up space. Right? He didn't have to hide. He didn't have to be deceptive anymore. He was now known as Israel, the one who prevailed. He had a limp for the rest of his life because of it, because God touched his hip socket and he had a limp. But this, he did what God called him to do. So surrender is a matter of your heart. It's a deeper issue than that. And it goes a lot deeper than what we think. Stephen stepped out of that power struggle and surrendered to God. He surrendered his body, his mind, and his spirit to them. Because we know Stephen was the first Christian martyr. And because of that, what, that situation that happened to Stephen, the Christians all spread all over. And they even went in, the scripture says that they went to Judea and they went to Samaria. They went into Samaria because they went where the, where the enemy was. The Jewish people wouldn't go into Samaria because they didn't like the Samarians, right? The Samaritans were no-no go for them. But the Jewish people ended up in their midst. And what happened? Ex Christianity exploded. And where are we today because of that? Because of what Jesus did on the cross. And when we look at that scripture in, in Stephen, we see that Jesus, we see the likeness of Jesus in it. Stephen said, I looked up and I saw the Son of Man sitting at the right hand. That's what Jesus said to them. Some of you will, will see the Son of Man. And they knew. That's why they went, la, 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 we don't want to hear it, right? They gnashed their teeth at him and they blocked their ears and they said, we don't want to hear what you're saying because they knew it was truth. And even in his surrender, Stephen said, I'm giving this up for God because it's what he's called me to do. It's what he's asked me to do. Right? Now, we may not be stoned, but we may be, we may be shunned. We may be forced into a different position in life. We may be, be told to go somewhere. But when we acknowledge. I, Stephen's like, I'm not changing my story. I believe in Jesus Christ, that he died for me, that he rose again, and he's going to come again. And I'm going to tell everybody what he's done in my life. He has changed my life. And when I tell people that Jesus has changed my life, despite all the struggles, despite all the power struggles I've had and I continue to have, I'm learning not to struggle as much as to surrender to God, right? So, we all need Jesus. We are all separated from God because of our iniquities. 
And Jesus came to close that gap for us. And he helps us into a life that's fully surrendered to God. So this, I I made up a slide of what surrendering looks like. It says, this is what a surrendered position looks like. So it's the red slide, if you can't find it. (laughs) Um, So the surrendered, oh, you got it. I just can't see it. Okay. I'm like, why are you not showing it? But I surrender. This is what it looks like. Upturned palms, on your knees, with a bowed head. Because it is vulnerability to us. It's like a dog when they lay down and you tickle their belly. That's the most vulnerable position for attack. But it's yet the most vulnerable position to receive some love. And this is where we receive from God. We are open to what God is asking from us. We may face opposition. We may face ridicule. We may even face having our resume in the back of our Bible, just in case, right? But I have an exercise for you today that I want want us to participate in, in this time. We're going to take two minutes, and we're going to look at this little exercise. This is what my church renewal people gave me, uh, they give us, and I use it all the time. I, I, I bring it with me. Everywhere I go, and actually when you leave today, the door holders have a little, a little version of this you can grab from them as well. It's the size of a business card. You can put it in your Bible, you can put it in your wallet to remind you that when you're looking at a scripture, it's called SMORP. You look at the scripture and you write down what are you reading and memorizing as well as any verse or reference that stood out to you. And you write down any observations that you have, the message, that what God would be saying to you. Is there a correction? Is there a direction? Is there an encouragement? Is there a promise? Is there wisdom that he wants for you? And where do I need to obey him? What do I need to do? Write down a step that God is asking you to take today based on what he's revealing to you. Because it may be something that you're already working on, and it may not be a new step for today. Maybe it's, maybe it's for tomorrow. Because God talks to all of us. He doesn't just talk to people who have gone to study or have done or or, or hold a title of some sort. He wants to talk to you, but he wants you to open your heart to him today, right? And then the step of repentance comes. Write out a confession. Repentance is not only confessing, God, I am sinned. Repentance is, God, I'm going to change my mind. When I was doing this one exercise, I, I, I kept on saying, I'm too old to go back to school. I'm too old to go back to school. And as I was working through a scripture the one day, I felt God saying to me, who do you think you are? <laughs> I determine how long you live, and I determine your usefulness. Go back to school. <laughs> and he put everything in place for me to make it happen. Right? So I was challenged. The repentance part for me was every time I said, I'm too, no, I'm not. Take captive that thought, make it obedient to Christ over here and go, no, I can do this. If God has called me to, I need to stop struggling, step into and surrender and yield to what God has for my life, right? And then spend time in prayer asking God, about what he's laid on on your heart today. So I just want us to take two minutes right now. And I want you to ask yourself two questions. 
What is God telling me to do? And what am I going to do about it? And after two minutes, I'm going to say a closing prayer. So take that moment. Bow your heads. We'll leave the slide up if you want to refer to it. Of John Wesley, and he wrote a prayer that I pray often. I have it in my Bible because I need to remind myself often about surrendering everything to Him. And it goes like this you can say it after me in your head, <laughs> but I'm just warning you. If you say it, you better mean it. So if you don't want to say it, if you don't want to say it, put your ears in your, your fingers in your ears like the people in the story of Stephen. I am no longer my own, but yours. Put me to what you will. Place me with whom you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be put to work for you or set aside for you. Be praised for you or criticized for you. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and fully surrender all things to your glory and service. And now, a wonderful and holy God, creator, redeemer, and sustainer, you are mine, and I am yours, and so be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth today, let it also be made in heaven.